We are kicking off episode 201 of Monster Kid Radio with the returning band, the Dell Vipers. From their album, Terror of the Dell Vipers, it's the song Anesthesia. And it appears on this episode of the podcast. With their permission, this is Monster Kid Radio, the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. Welcome to the show. Welcome back if you're an old-time listener, or welcome for any first-timers. I'm your host, writer-producer Derek M. Cook, and I am welcoming back another familiar face here to the Monster Kid Radio headquarters. I'm talking about Larry Underwood, a.k.a. the Rondo Award-winning Dr. Gang Green. Dr. Gang Green is here on Monster Kid Radio to talk about a movie starring one of his favorite actors. I'm talking about Vincent Price, and I'm talking about the movie The Mad Magician from 1954. This was a first-time viewing for me, and it's something that he recently covered in his Fantastic Films of Vincent Price YouTube series, which you really should be checking out. We're going to talk about The Mad Magician's cast, the crew, its extreme similarities to the movie House of Wax from 1953. And after that, I've got a little bit of feedback to go over, and you know what? Let's just get to Dr. Gang Green right after this. Listen. Do you hear? It's coming back. Turning the screen into a buzzing, crawling, creeping nightmare of terror. This is the son of the original fly. Daring to explore the forbidden science of transmigration that brought horrible death to his father. You look as if you've just seen a ghost, old man. It was the fly. Fear that will fasten its choking grip on you as his weird experiments spawn the twisted monstrosities of a living hell. The rat man whose hands and feet are changed to paws. The living corpse who rose from his coffin. And the return of the fly, seeking revenge with a thousand eyes. Smashing anything that stands in his way. Suppose he does come here. What if Philippe does not have the mind of a human, but the murderous brain of the fly? Then he will have to be destroyed. Common Interest, a podcast that takes you off the beaten path and kicks your ass. ass. Your host, Craig Chaos, plays you music and discusses films and comic books. So stop on by and listen at uncommoninterest.libsyn.com and get cool uncommon music and awesome stuff at uncommoninterest.bandcamp.com. Don't come running to me when you wake up in the city morgue with a tag on your toe having been beaten to an unrecognizable... Uncommon interest. Come in. Come closer. Closer. That's right. I'm Vincent Price. You'll be just as safe in this house of fear as any of the other five victims murdered by... The bat. In all of the annals of mystery, there's never been a more elusive, fearsome, and cunning killer. He'll lure you through hidden passages to make you his next victim. 
But nobody lives forever, so why be afraid of the bat? How long's he been dead? Oh, I'd say about a half an hour. You believe it was the bat? That's a bat's trademark. Perhaps he's still in the house. That's possible. It says here that the bat never leaves no fingerprints. That's understandable. Having no face, he probably has no fingers either. waiting for you. Well, welcome back to the show. Longtime friend of mine, Rondo Award-winning Dr. Gane Green. Larry Underwood, welcome to Monster Kid Radio. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you, and congratulations on your Rondo Award win for Monster <laughs> Kid Radio. Thank you so much. You know, Best I said, multimedia. I, you know, I've said this to a number of people offline. I said it on Facebook. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again here. As, as much as I love the fact that I have the Rondo now and I won that, yeah, I, I know that I couldn't have done it. Without the help of everybody who's ever been on the show, people who are part of what I call the Monster Kid Radio Brain Trust, I've had so much support and love and encouragement from people over the years. So really, thank you for helping me get to that point. Well, it's well-deserved. You work hard, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. What's going on with you? You've been knocking it out with the Vincent Price series still, right? I have been. We're up to the mid-50s now and just rolling along. That's just a lot of fun. I'll, you know, I started this thing because I always wanted to go through the Price filmography. So I'm having a blast. I'm watching a lot of movies I've never seen before. And um, the 50s is where I'm just about to get up to the golden period of Price, in my opinion. Once you start getting up into the late 50s and you get to The Fly and The Return of the Fly and yes. The Tingler and House on Haunted Hill and then rolling right into the 60s with all the Price stuff, House of Usher and uh, Mask of the Red Death. That, to me, is the best period of Price of his filmography. So, you know, looking forward to getting to that stuff. But I really like watching the things that I had never seen before and that most people haven't heard of, including me, before now. Because <laughs> it's always interesting to see uh, new stuff, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's always fun to kind of dive into an era or a subgenre that you think you know enough about or you've seen a lot of, but to find these new gems, like the movie we're going to be talking about this week is one I've never seen, uh, The Mad Magician, starring Vincent Price. So it was exciting for me to dive in and find this new-to-me movie. It's a lot of fun to do that. Now, on Facebook, you posted a poll, and you mentioned the Golden Age of Price, and this is what made me think of it. You posted a poll, what people consider the best era of Price, 50s, 60s, and I think you put 70s in there as well, right? And I'll put 80s. Uh, 80s, okay. 80s, 80s slash 90s and 30s slash 40s. Okay. Yeah. I was just kind of curious what the people that are on that Facebook group would 
what they would say, you know, kind of what they thought. And I thought most people would pick the 60s, but they haven't. They've been leaning towards the 50s and the 70s. Really? Yeah. Huh, I guess when I think Vincent Price in the 70s, I... Well, you got Theater of Blood, well, you got that's the true. Vibes movies. That's true, that's true. You know, there's, some, there's some good stuff in the 70s. Yeah. I guess for me, I'd go to the 50s too because that's where House of Wax is, right? And, and The mm-hmm. Fly and things like that. So mm-hmm. Madhouse is in the 70s also. I mean, that's the stuff that honestly I've rewatched probably the most, that in the 50s. But I do rewatch that 70s stuff a lot because it's a lot of fun. So I don't know. I get it. You know, I totally get it. But yeah, the 50s, Tingler, House on Haunted Hill, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, there's something about Vincent Price in black and white that's just amazing. You know, and when he's working with people like William Castle. Yeah. It's Vincent Price at the top of his game. Yeah. And I know people say that about him and Roger Corman as well when it comes to Poe adaptations. But hmm. what do you prefer better, Price and Poe or Price and William Castle? Probably lean towards the Castle stuff. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, House on Haunted Hill to me is sort of like the penultimate prize performance. I'm Vincent Price, and you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. So won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hurry, or you'll be late for your own funeral. It may have been the first price I actually saw on television, but it's also, to me, just when I think of him, you know, he's the dapper host, you know, in the suit and everything. And I love all the gimmickry, and I like fun horror movies, and that one's a lot of fun. I think in the past we've had you on the show and we've talked about what's inspired you as a horror host. And you've mentioned Price in House of Haunted Hill as being an influence. Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely was. Yeah. It's a good one. Now, for listeners who have never heard you on the show before, we're talking about your YouTube series, The Fantastic Films of Vincent Price. If people haven't seen this, they need to because you are doing a bang-up job going through the entire Vincent Price filmography. Thanks. Appreciate that. Starting from the beginning and just going through every single film and a few TV spots, too. It's been great. Yeah. The only thing I'm probably not going to really spotlight much, he did a lot of voiceover work. Probably I don't have all of those, and I may mention them where he narrates something. You know, he did some documentaries and such. But otherwise, every film that he appears in, we'll be talking about them. Are there any missing Price films, or have they all been restored or saved? 
there's something listed on IMDb that, but I don't think it actually exists. It's called the Ares Computer, and I think what it was was a proposed anthology type thing. I think it was going to be a film. I think it was a film. I don't think it was a television series. I think it was a proposed anthology, and maybe he was going to do one of the segments or something. I don't think it actually exists though, because nobody that I've talked to has it. If you look at it on there, the IMDb list says 1972, right? Yeah, and it's him. It's Stephanie Beecham. I don't know. I don't think it actually exists, though. There's certainly some stuff that's hard to find, and his tele- a lot of his television appearances, which were very numerous, are are missing, are lost. They just haven't either don't exist or haven't popped up yet. Yeah, they didn't save a lot of that stuff. So yeah, uh, on you know TV and all. Let me yeah. put the call out for this right now. Sure. Something I'm actually looking for that you and I were talking about earlier. There's a Red Skelton episode called He Who Steals My Robot Steals Trash. And it's season 18, episode one of the Red Skelton uh, show. And Vincent Price and Boris Karloff both appear on there. And they sing a song together on the show called The Two of Us. And I've found audio of the song, but I cannot find the episode. Nobody that I have talked to has actually has the episode. So if anybody out there, any of your listeners has it, please contact me because... I want to show that at Wonderfest this year. Wonderfest is the convention at the end of May in Kentucky. Right. It's in Louisville. And they present the Rondo Awards there, don't they? Oh, yeah, they sure do. And every Saturday night at the show, I host uh, a movie. And this year, we're hosting the movie The Comedy of Terrors, which has Price and Karloff. And Sarah Karloff and Victoria Price are both going to be at the show, supposedly at my hosting of this movie also. So I thought it would be Really cool to show this clip of the, their father singing together on this TV show, if I can find it. Do you think they have the clip? Have we talked to them? I have not reached out to them, and I guess I probably should. <laughs> Checked with everybody else. I wanted to kind of make it a surprise oh, if I, gotcha. I could. But now here I am mentioning it in public, so I don't know how much of a surprise it'll be anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't know yeah. if they'll see this or hear this or what. Well, I'm sure they're, you know, they're regular listeners, so. They probably are. <laughs> Well, Sarah Karloff got inducted into the Monster Kid Hall of Fame at the Rondos this year. So Excellent. We, we are all in the same Rondo Hatton Classic Film Awards or Classic Horror Awards class this year. So, Yep. So, so yeah, if anybody's got any leads on this Red Skeleton episode, uh, let me know or let Larry know. He's on Facebook through his website or here at Monster Kid Radio, and I'll pass it on because that, that would be amazing. Very cool. All right. Back to Price. We're talking about Price. We're talking about the fantastic films of Vincent Price, and you just recently reviewed – one of the films uh, that I've not seen of Vincent Price, The Mad Magician from 19, is it 54? 1954, yeah. It was done the year after House of Wax. It feels a lot like House of Wax. I mean, it was even in 3D, wasn't it? It was in 3D, and it was very intentional that it feels like House of Wax because Columbia wanted to cash in on the success of House of Wax, which, of course, was just a phenomenal success. So, you know, they hired the same writer guy named Crane Wilbur, the same producer, Brian Foy, and the same cinematographer, Burt Glennon. They basically wanted to see if they could get lightning to strike twice. And the writer, Crane Wilbur, more or less, he just reshuffled the plot. I mean, it is pretty much a rehash of, of House of Wax in a lot of ways. Overall, I don't think it's as successful of a film, but it is interesting because it does some pretty cool things that amps up the violence and the gore quite a bit from House of Wax. I was surprised by how intense some of the death scenes were in this film. Mm -hmm. I I was really shocked, actually. And I'm sure that was by design. Yeah. 
But yeah. I was really shocked by some of the things that happened in this movie. Of course, when you start introducing a buzzsaw into a horror movie, <laughs> you know something terrible is going to happen to somebody. Of course. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it was funny when you mentioned wanting to do this film. And I know the reason you wanted to do it is because you wanted to watch it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is I was true. like, okay, you want to watch a reason, an excuse to sit down and watch Like this I movie. need an excuse. <laughs> I was all on board because it's interesting to me because House of Wax itself is, a, of course, a remake of an earlier movie, The Mystery of the Wax Museum. And so it's interesting because The Mad Magician is more or less a, a remake, not a direct remake, not an official remake, but it is more or less sort of a remake of a movie that was a remake. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a spiritual sequel to a movie that was a remake of a – yeah, it's – now, this one's in black and white, and I just can't help but think that if it was in color, this movie would be much better remembered. There's some scenes, particularly the at the end, the crematorium with the fire that, that's yes. just flaming up. That would have just been beautiful in Technicolor. But unfortunately, they went with black and white, I'm sure, just to save money. You know, and that I've always questioned that and wondered about that. I mean, they're clearly trying to cash in on the House of Wax thing, but let's not put it in color. You know, yeah. And then you see some of these other film franchises like The Fly, you know, where some of the sequels are not in color, even though the first one is. And it's just – I don't understand the decision-making process there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it really know. that much more expensive to shoot in color back then? It probably was, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if this was in color, it would have looked so much more vibrant and it would have been a lot more successful, I feel like. How, this one didn't do so well? No, I don't think so. And not, okay. certainly nowhere near the success of House of Wax. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a reason why House of Wax got re-released in the 80s, and this one I had never seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty much forgotten about, except for Price fans, who will absolutely love it. All Price fans should seek this out, and it's uh, there is a DVD out there. Oh, I, th- I think Price turns in a great underrated performance in this. Mm-hmm. And it's got some good things going for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was really thrilled to watch it. I think House of Wax is probably... You know, a much better film, probably. It is a much better film. It's more fun to watch. But this one's got some things going for it. Vincent Price is great. And the rest of the cast, you know, they're they're holding their own. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed John Emery. Yeah, he's good. And Price, disguised as him, looks incredible. That's a great makeup. Yeah. So even though this is one that probably not a lot of people have seen, at least as much as House of Wax, we are going to be spoiling some of the movie here, and there are some amazing performances here with Price in makeup, in a mask. Mm-hmm. The makeup, and I'm not sure who did the makeup in this, did a great job. Yeah. Those masks look really good. They're really, I mean, I think ahead of their time. I would say ahead of their time. I'm not used to seeing this kind of a full head mask looking that good Yeah, in the 50s. Definitely not. So the makeup was handled by a couple of guys by the name of George Bow and Gustav Norin. I absolutely know nothing about them, <laughs> but they were really good. Uh, but well they, done, guys. Good job. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more about them. I mean, the the work they did with these latex masks. I'm assuming they were latex. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. It's a yeah. real thin very masterful appliance, I felt. I felt. And so mm-hmm. much so that it was really easy for Bryce to even apply one to himself with just a little bit of spit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really well done there. Something else of note in this is the cool theremin music that they used throughout. Yes. It's really, really cool and kind of creepy and fun. I'm a big sucker for film scores. And if there is a soundtrack available for this one, 
I'd buy it. I'd, yeah. I'd have it in a minute. That's it's some fun music. I love the House of Wax music too. Don't get me. I mean, everything. It's hard to com- talk about this movie without comparing it to House of Wax. But there's some really interesting musical cues in this. Mm-hmm. And of yeah. course, I mean, it's it's a movie about magicians, and they're on stage, and there's that theatricality that comes in, and you know, some of the music that goes along with that. It's just fun. Yeah, it is. A lot of the movie is very reminiscent. Uh, of course, like we said, the plot. Of course, this was in 3D. So wow. there's shots that are lined up to take advantage of 3D, which to me is the most fun. When you have a 3D movie, I want gimmicks that are made to take advantage of the 3D. So in House of Wax, you had the paddle ball man standing outside the theater and he's hitting the paddle balls and addressing the camera. And this, you have a guy with yo-yos and he's looking directly at the camera and he's flipping the yo-yos right at the screen. So... Once again, just more House of Wax remake yeah. kind of revisited. There's a few spots in this that the, the yo-yo scene, there's a bit near the end where there's a, a barker, is it a barker, a guy in the lobby handing out programs. Mm-hmm. And he's got that extending arm. Oh, yeah. And it <laughs> shoots out into the crowd. I loved that. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, you've got the water at the beginning. Uh, Price is on stage and he takes a hose basically and sprays water directly at the camera. And it's played directly to the camera. I mean, he looks at the camera and laughs and does it. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> which must have looked great in 3D. I was going to ask you, have you seen this in 3D? No, I don't even know if the 3D print still exists. It was supposedly the first film ever shown in 3D on TV. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be somewhere, right? Somebody's got to have something. Hopefully. Yeah, would hope. Because yeah. I'd love to see this in 3D. I mean, when it comes to 3D and you're talking about the gimmicks, the yo-yos, that's cool. You know, the extending arm, that's awesome. I'd be real curious to see how things like the water or the fire, the things that are kind of nebulous and don't have a solid shape, yeah. see how those looked in 3D. Yeah, absolutely. Because this was not directed by the same guy who did House of Wax, so he could use both eyes and really, <laughs> <laughs> and really take advantage of that. So That's true. Uh, the Absolutely. director, who was the director? John Bram. Mm-hmm. You know, with the exception of Price, I know very little about the cast and crew, but Bram did a lot of television in the 50s and into the 60s as well. I think he's probably most known for his television work, but yeah, I know very little about the man. Yeah. I know um, there's a bonfire scene in this movie, which um, you, is used to dispose of one of Price's victims, the, the first one. That was so creepy. John Bram did a, a movie called Hangover Square starring Laird Krieger. And there's the exact scene is in that movie, which he just basically lifted for this film. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, it's got a big giant bonfire with a ladder. And once again, the lead guy who in that movie is a guy who when he hears a certain discordant tone in music, he kind of freaks out and goes on the murderous rampage and kills people. And he disposes of one of his victims by again climbing a ladder and tossing the body, which is dressed as a dummy on top of the bonfire. So this movie is a ripoff in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we say ripoff, but I don't, we're not meaning anything negative here. I mean, this is no. still this is still a worthwhile film. It's something that I'm really enjoying, you know, thinking about. And you know, I think some of it is because I think I speak for a lot of us when we we're kids, especially us young boys. We all wanted to be magicians. We all thought magic tricks were cool. And so you get to see some of the magic stuff happen in this thing. And Yeah. You, know, you get Vincent Price, he gets 3D, you get some magic. Sign me up. Yeah, absolutely. And a movie called The Mad Magician. How, that's just fun. The title is The Mad Magician. 
But Price's performance is so understated in so much of this. Mm-hmm. He's not mad. <laughs> you know, he's more disturbed and he snaps a little bit. And there are some moments where he goes a little over the top. But for the most part, he's pretty restrained. And I really mm-hmm. appreciated that in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he does put in that type of lower key performance. And it's good. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it really kind of creates a separate character than what he did in House of Wax. I feel like mm-hmm. that he really created somebody new, even though this movie takes so many tones from the previous film. It does. Right from the first, when we first see, he plays he plays Gallico, Gallico the Great. Gallico when we first, great. We first see him, he is preparing to do his first stage show as a magician. And when we first see him, he's wearing – he looks very much like Jared. He's wearing a, a lab coat that looks almost – a smock that looks yes. almost like the one from House of Wax. I, if this was in color, it looks like it might even be tan. It could even be the same jacket for all I know. And I'm sure that was by design. I'm sure it was. He's sha- clean-shaven in this, whereas he had the beard and mustache in House of Wax. But he's clean-shaven in this one. And he's preparing to do his first stage show. By his day job, he builds props for other magicians. But he's decided it's time. I'm going to go out on my own. I, I'm fully capable of doing this. I'm I'm going to hit the stage and find fame and success for myself. Right. But his show is interrupted, and the curtain drops right before he unveils his newest and greatest creation, the Lady and the Buzzsaw. Now I present for the first time on any stage the Lady. And the bag at the studio and took mine by mistake. Where is it? Oh, Don, I... What's the matter? What have you done with it? I left it in the cab. Well, there's nothing to worry about, mister. I gave it to a cop. You gave it to a cop? What was in that bag, Don? It was a head. A human head. Don, Don, what's the matter with you? Don, keep away from me. <laughs> Who are you? You're not Ross. Killed him. Yes. It's all right, Don. You don't have to worry about me. I, I would never turn you in. My poor dear Claire. Don't you know I wouldn't dare trust you? (laughs) 
So we started to tell you a little bit about the story's plot, started to break down the story a little bit. We're going to do the rest of that in the next episode here in episode 202. So if you haven't had a chance to watch The Mad Magician yet, you've got plenty of time because we're going to spoil it in the next episode when Larry and I come back to continue talking about this movie that, you know what, I'm really glad I got a chance to watch it and talk about it with Larry here on the show. I'm William Castle, and I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. The picture is The Tingler, which I directed. And for the first time in motion picture history, members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. You will feel some of the physical reactions, the shocking sensations experienced by the actors on the screen. I guarantee that The Tingler has more shocks per minute than my last film, The House on Haunted Hill. But don't be alarmed. You can protect yourself. When you see the picture, you will be told and remember the instruction how you can guard yourself from attack by the Tingler. And now may I show you a few scenes from the Tingler? If you have any thoughts about anything that we've talked about here on the podcast in the previous 200 episodes or this episode or anything that you think we might cover in the future, you can always send in your thoughts to monsterkidradio at gmail.com or you can call in and leave a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. And I know that voicemail works. You know why? Because we got this message. Hello, Derek. Hey, Monster Kid Radio. This is Rick Myers of the Fumbling Forwards blog, and hopefully someday podcast. Um calling to congratulate you, Derek, for 200 episodes and for the Rondo Award. Uh, congratulations, and I hope more good luck and more accolades like this happen for you. And uh, 200 more episodes at least for you. So you have a, have a wonderful 200. I just wish the best for you. Everybody, Thanks. This is Rick Myers, and have a good day. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Rick. And, you know, I said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. 
Couldn't have won the Rondo. Couldn't have made 200 episodes if I didn't have all the fantastic people that have been on the show in the previous 200-plus episodes of Monster Kid Radio. So many awesome guests and incredibly awesome listeners. People who have participated in feedback on Facebook at the Monster Kid Radio Crashes or just downloading the show. I appreciate everybody's support. Thank you, Rick. we got to have you on the show again in the future. Maybe another crash or something. And, of course, he mentioned his blog, Fumbling Forwards. You can find that at RD Myers. 97115.blogspot.com or follow the links over at monsterkidradio.net. He's in there. Go check him out and tell him that Monster Kid Radio sent you. All right, we're at the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. I mentioned monsterkidradio.net just a second ago. Let me go back to that because this is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. I mentioned the contact information. It's right there, right next to a button labeled Facebook group, and that's going to take you to... Yeah, you guessed it. Our Facebook group, where you can get involved with conversations with other Monster Kid Radio listeners between episodes. Next to that button, we have a link to our Patreon page, where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support us that way while picking up some cool rewards for yourself along the way. We also have a live 365 internet radio station where you can listen to music and trailers from classic monster movies with a few outliers, like maybe music from Matinee or Ed Wood. Stuff that's relevant to us monster kids. It's right there. It's free. Go check that out out and of course a link to every song that's appeared here on the show it's sorted by band you can look up the band some music what episode they appeared on and you can find out how to get to their websites and buy their music and support them and again let them know that monster kid radio sent you like i said here in a couple of days larry and i are going to come back to talk about the mad magician and break down the story so again spoilers ahead go watch the movie and then come back here in a couple of days for episode 202 for that In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Anesthesia. That belongs to the Dell Vipers. It's on their album, Terror of the Dell Vipers, and you can find them at thedellvipers.bandcamp.com. Go check them out. And tell them that you heard about them on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days.